Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Solid Ground live stream number 25. Today is what, June 26th? And we have a special, special topic for you today. We decided that since it keeps coming up, we keep talking about origins and where's all this coming from. And we keep putting on our tinfoil hats. We would just go ahead and wear them today for you. And um, David, I really like your your hat. What is what is this? Can you tell me a little bit about your hats, people? <laughs> mm. Well, there's so much to talk about. Um, it's uh, it's sort of not really a top hat. It's not really a, a fedora. I think I, I had an idea when I started, and then at the end of it, I think it looks <laughs> kind of looks a little like that pork pie hat you get. Um, <laughs> but I'm about the least cool version of um, what was it? Whatever his face is from Breaking Bad. Um, that's kind of what I was. That's that's a very charitable interpretation of my hat. I think is is um, uh, oh, I forgot his name. What's his name from Breaking Bad? The main guy. The main Walt. guy. Walt. Walt. Yeah, that's Walt. Yeah. that's my charitable interpretation. I'm I'm Walt from Breaking Bad, but that's really not who I am. I'm I'm wearing a I'm wearing a tinfoil. I think it looks a bit like a My Fair Lady tinfoil hat, doesn't it? <laughs> So, so I, I, yeah, but it's my first venture into tinfoil hat wearing. Um, I think also I'm not massively, I'm not, I don't spit, steer towards conspiracy theories much, but I really am going to try to embrace it over the next hour um, and um, and conclude most of the time that 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 probably it's it's caused by sort of lizard people <laughs> set hell bent on sort of taking over the world where I can at least. Yeah, I'm going to bring in the David Ike perspective. Yeah. 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 Where is David Ike when we need him? <laughs> okay. So I guess, uh, yeah, I guess we should talk about solid ground just a little bit. We have a couple of notes about solid ground. One, Jennifer's group is not, not going to be happening today because she has a previous engagement. So if you're in Jennifer's Monday group, that won't be happening. Uh, Thursday's group, my group, we are going to have a, a specific discussion. We're going to talk about the the issues been, that have been raised a couple of times by the, a parent that's been part of the conversation. And um, those are surround the kids' school. So if you are coming to Thursday's group, think about that and we'll, we'll, we'll have a, a targeted discussion. And then David, do you wanna give us the, the intro to Solid Ground for anybody who's new? Yep, certainly. Solid Ground is a peer support community for anyone concerned about the imposition of critical social justice, CSJ, aka woke, and or COVID mandates in their workplace, university, children's school or community. We offer weekly online peer support groups in which members share ideas, thoughts and support for how to navigate the impact of these ideologies and answer the question, where do we go from here? You can join one of our groups for only $5 per month. To find out how to join our community, please visit Solid Ground Support. Dot com and please note solid ground does not provide psychotherapy or legal advice and nothing we do should be construed as such good thing since we're wearing these <laughs> you don't take any advice from these ridiculous tinfoil hat wearing people uh roan roan wood in the comments says nice touch sorry but they're most likely aluminum i will go ahead and confess that mine is aluminum i don't think you have any tin tinfoil anymore uh, do you yeah not that I know of. Jennifer, what inspires your your uh, headgear there? I was feeling a little 1920s. 
And then this is a listening device so that I may monitor the woke and their nefarious activities, but it is disguised as very fashionable flower. That's beautiful. It is very fashionable. Yeah. Deborah, how about you? What's going on there? But uh -oh. it was too small for my head. Okay. So I went with tinfoil classic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, always good to go with the old uh, standard. Well, it looks very um, kooky. So, <laughs> um, so. What about you, Leslie? What, how, can you tell us a bit about your heart? Oh, this is this is a uh, uh, one of my kids' baseball caps, and um, it seemed like just the right thing. I lack of creativity and a lot of aluminum foil. So um, I, I have tended to stay, to sort of steer the topic away from the, the larger conspiracies. Not, and I don't, I, conspiracy theory is such a slur, you know, for one thing, because it's just this way to mock people for trying to understand um, the machinations of powerful, people who want to engineer society in a certain way. And I think that it it's to me, to my way of thinking, it's irrefutable that if you were, if, if that there are a powerful lobby of people who have ideas about how society should be formed. If I were very wealthy and very powerful, I know I would have the same, I think it's just a human nature sort of thing. We, we have ideas about how things should be done and how things shouldn't be done. And at every level, people are scoping out the world and, and having opinions about it. And so if you are a wealthy, powerful person, it just makes sense that some subset of those people are going to exert their influence in a certain way over the rest of the people. And so conspiracy theory seems like a term to me that's just used to, to mock and slur anybody who tries to imagine what, what's going on. And, and also at the same time, there's so much conjecture because we don't really often know all of the ins and outs and it's easy to be sort of, um, to, to jump to conclusions when you have little bits of data. And so there is something mock worthy sometimes in some of the theories people come up with. So it's just this big messy field. And I've tended to steer away from it just because it makes more sense to me to describe what we're actually experiencing rather than to go into a bunch of, of um, you know, speculation. But that said, there is reason for the speculation as well. And, and anyway, so that's just, that's my like foundation for why I haven't really delved into that a whole lot in conversations that I've been having on this channel. But what do you guys think? I think that there, I mean, there really is basically a cultural revolution going on and we are all trying to make sense of it. And, um, and there's also a um, sense of being sort of unmoored from what we've grown up with and what makes sense. And so um, <laughs> it makes us all feel a bit crazy. And so we're, we're struggling to interpret what's happening. And um, I mean, it comes up in groups all the time. Well, well who's doing this? Why? What are what are the motivations? What's behind this? Who's behind this? And I think it does make sense because we're meaning-making people and we're trying to make sense of the changes in our world. Um, and sometimes we're probably a bit off course in how we're making sense of it. And other times I think we're closer to the truth, but I think it's normal that we're trying to figure it out. 
I really, I really think as as time's gone on as well, we've we've seen previous ideas that were considered conspiracy theories turn into actual really credible um, explanations for things that have occurred. I mean, obviously COVID and um, the fact that not long after the COVID outbreak really started stretching across the world, people were saying uh, maybe it wasn't from the wet markets, maybe it was from one of the COVID labs and it, 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 it you know, one of the COVID labs that operates within Wuhan, perhaps, maybe coincidentally. And yet people were considered conspiracy theorists for even saying that stuff. And then as evidence comes out, yeah, you start to realise that anyone who sort of has a, an opinion of outside of the mainstream can get quite easily called a conspiracy theorist. So, I mean, what you've what you've been saying as well about the fact that it's we are trying to consider just how much some, you know, great uh, elite group of people's uh, opinions can weigh down on trickle down on the rest of the world. Uh, I'm assuming that people who, who operate within that space would quite happily level a charge of conspiracy theory or conspiracy nut at anyone who maybe even starts to starts to um, I know get a bit warm with their sort of their thoughts or with their hypotheses. Maybe that is maybe that's even uh, something that does happen. Do people get called conspiracy theorists now when they get close to uncovering the truth? That only feels like something that would serve to. Um, further encourage people to consider those things. It's certainly, it's, it's a bit like censorship, isn't it? The more you try and push things down, the more they prop up because people people want to resist that. So, yeah. I I, I don't know how many, I, I mean, I'd be interested in knowing the kind of conspiracy theory uh, temperature in, in our virtual room and see if people here have some particularly interesting kind of conspiracy theories or or... Or maybe even we could sort sort of say, is anyone here that doesn't believe the moon landings happened or um, 9-11 was an inside job? I don't know if we're going to go into that sort of detail today, but be <laughs> I'm curious, but I don't even know if my curiosity will, should take us there necessarily. But yeah. Well, those are good questions and maybe we should answer them. But what do you think, Deborah? What are, you, what are your thoughts? all at once. I, my tendency to not go in the direction of assuming there's some, you know, entities, partly because I feel like people aren't necessarily so coordinated. Um, it's a little bit hard to get things done anyway. And so many things seem to be multiple forces kind of coming together at certain times. Um, but at the same time, especially with, say, something like the World Economic Forum, like a group of people who are powerful, outright making statements that are about controlling things or who was it? I don't know if it was Larry Fink. Someone said the other day, like on a stage in an interview, yes, we are going to force people to do mm -hmm. such. Like this said, we are going to force people. So um, there are some activities that are happening that are um, you know, con definitely concerning done by powerful people. I think where I get caught in it sometimes too is just sometimes it feels like there's a lot of psychological projection. Like it's very easy to make a they like the, the, the amorphous they that are doing something. And so I know I have an allergy, like a little knee jerk mm. reaction to that. And at the same time, I mean, I'm, and I'm willing to entertain things that might not be, you know, consensus um, opinions. The other thing I'm just thinking, what's interesting at this point in time is because of social media, because the legacy media or things are, they're becoming less and less trusted. Um, and trying to figure out what is a correct narrative. I mean, we used to have like the narrative, you know, like the three 
networks or whatever. And then like just the crazy people, right? But now the narrative's kind of breaking down and like maybe, you know, there's a lot more room for hypothesizing, even though people try to shut it up. I don't know, we're at a moment where there's probably a lot more froth, like just a lot more, I think it's maybe how QAnon kind of came, you know, came on and had some um, legs um, because people just aren't trusting um, what used to be the ways they get their information. And you're like, well, and I guess, you know, I'm going to go look somewhere else and, and try to find community that way. So I don't know that was multiple things. <laughs> mm-hmm. I try to, I try to stay curious about people's opinions around these things and not get judgmental about things that I don't actually, I don't actually know for myself. If I'm just, if my belief is informed by authority telling me then that's not a firsthand belief. That's that's a that's a re- received information, and so I try to stay humble enough to have a, a at least the curiosity about why the why another person believes what they do, and not just dismiss it. For instance, and this is something that a lot of people will laugh at. I actually have a good friend who is who believes in flat Earth, and I don't. I don't believe in that. I don't, but I'm like, have I ever zoomed out to space and looked back at at a ball? I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's a ball to me, but you know, I'm just like, I know that sounds funny. We're all going to, that's, that's kind of like this area where people are supposed to laugh about it, but I, I'm not going to be, I'll just say, why do you think that? And then listen, and, and I'm not going, I'm not mocking my friend. I'm not thinking this is ridiculous. I don't know. Like, I, do I have a, a belief in one direction? Pretty much. But I, I just don't want to think, I don't want to dismiss people out of hand based on received information that I've gathered from institutions that have, that have proven themselves to be not necessarily trustworthy. And so I don't know what to do with that. But um, I have, I guess the biggest conspiracy theory area for me in my that I've that I've tended to be associated with or believe in is the uh, the danger of of the the vaccine schedule the children the childhood vaccine schedule. My oldest child was injured by a, a shot that she received when she was eleven, and it changed her life. And it I, I started doing a lot of research about and I read everything I could get my hands on for about 10 years before coming to the conclusion that I don't really trust the schedule as it's laid out. And I would, in my, the, my takeaway is for every, every time you think about vaccinating for a given illness, research the drug, like you would research any drug you would take. Think of it like a drug. Don't just accept that these are, these are just safe and effective the way that they, they tell you. And so, you know, there might be times when you would choose to go ahead and do one, but don't just receive that schedule as um, I must follow the schedule that the government has given to my doctor to give to me. So I know that's, that's a topic I could dive into really deeply, but I'll just stay on the surface of it unless people want to. That's interesting, Lizzie. I was just wondering, um, do you think around vaccines, the fact that there has, there was such widespread, um, I, mean, I don't know if this includes you, but like there was so much widespread coverage of people who believe who were say anti-vax because of the um, now now found out to be kind of false link between autism and vaccines. Because of that, there was such a large amount of like uh, attention paid towards that, and such a kind of like uh, a push to dumb that down. 
that in, in a way it's we've lost a bit of nuance around vaccines as a result so we can't have conversations about the the side effects of vaccines because any form of anti-vax some some makes you somehow part of this kooky club of people that believe that you're going to get autism it's like there's so many other layers and colors to to that that we don't explore i don't know does that yeah i i don't even know if i would say that it's like that it's a false link i would i wouldn't go that far i'd look more into that because there are some mechanisms by which it seems that some there's some combination of factors that can lead to the development of uh, neurological or, or to neurological damage uh -huh. and i i don't i don't think that it's been proven that um, okay. that immune assaults, including vaccination, can't have a, a role to play in that. So right. I think that there's more research to be done on that. But mm. um, but yes, I do think, well, I'm a big believer in the banality of evil. And I right. think that a lot of what's going on with that seems to me, and, I, and th again, this just dives into speculation, but it seems to me that it's more about um, a, a payday for companies that are making a lot of money off of having a captive market, a captive mm. consumer market for their products than some larger scale um, social engineering project. Although, mm. you know, I don't know. I tend to look first at Occam's razor and what's, you know, what's the, what's the simplest answer here? And the simplest answer is that these things cost a lot of money and they are a huge money maker. There's, um, manufacturers are completely immune to product liability for uh, anything that's put on the childhood vaccine schedule. Mm. So if you get injured by them, you can't sue. And so it's just, it's a great moneymaker. And they're, plus they're heavily subsidized by governments. But again, yeah. that's, that's a big topic that could really irritate a lot of people to talk about but, it, it, but. It's, it really loads it's, it feels like the environment it really lends itself if you've got kind of like questions over bodily autonomy powerful vested interests in pushing a certain narrative and then any shutting down of exploration so I'm, I'm assuming what you're saying then Leslie is the fact that um there's still a push to not explore vaccines or that you do there's in, inconclusive evidence or still there's still questions that haven't been answered um, sufficiently particularly for yourself then well we're we're messing with really complex systems when we start messing with the human body and i think that people can get really myopic when it comes to the research that they do on specific um you know specific things and interactions and one thing that there there have been some researchers who have shown uh that there are long-term non-specific effects from some of these drugs and you know you're not studying how they're how they interact i'm not the best person to talk about this for one thing i don't sure, have, yeah i know I we've jumped have, like, one quite the most articulate <laughs> sorry <laughs> no, i'm just curious okay. so i've started asking questions but i appreciate you're not necessarily a medical expert on it, no yeah. i'm totally not i'm just what <laughs> what i've my takeaway again and there's a siren in the background appropriately right now that we're talking yeah. about medical stuff. <laughs> but my takeaway is just that that we need to think for ourselves and and yeah. consult the resources the best that we have available to ourselves instead of just always receiving instructions and following instructions mm -hmm. blindly and if i had done more research on per the particular um vaccine that injured my daughter i probably wouldn't have given it to her for instance because it's got 
really poor efficacy. And uh, anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have you know, just, So sort of the shame in this is that, because I'm a person who until recently would have been, not totally give away the authority of the institutions, but actually value institutions as like, you would hope they were places where wisdom was being accumulated so that everybody, if everybody has to go do their own research on every single topic all the time, like how do we, you know, do anything, right? We've got to have our lives. And so to have a place where there's an aggregation or a focus on a particular area. And so I, it just, I mean, I'm hoping, I don't know, at some point we actually could have institutions we trust and have some things that we don't have to check out everything on our own because it's just, it's so, I mean, aside from inefficient, you know, it's, I, I think there's a right place for them. They just have not been being proven to be trustworthy. Um, and I don't know what it is where, I mean, I guess it's all of the things, whether it's critical social justice, like you know, the, the what has led to almost all of them, I mean, ideologically, a lot of them are falling, but it also feels like they somehow hit their limits on other things, whether it's financial incentives, whether it's like other things that have made them all kind of, I don't say grind to a halt, but just, just the, the whole thing to just kind of rot or something like that. And I don't know how, why it's all kind of happening at once unless, cause you even look at our infrastructure. I mean, there's so many things that are just kind of like not working and the wheels are falling off and um, on so many levels, I guess I could have a, a conspiracy theory about that, but um, <laughs> I guess I guess I was making a plug for I'd love to have institutions that do work someday that we could trust. That's a you know what that's I want to ask you, Deborah. What do you think? Because when you say that, one one of the things that comes to my mind is at the point where you have to you have to trust institutions to get information about how how to function in the world. Have you complicated your life beyond what makes sense for your life? I mean, are you going beyond? What do you need from those institutions in order to function in your life? Well, say they're doing the research, say they're doing research, say they're like, you're not going to go and do your own lab experience, right? To like check the vaccines but, or but for what, like what, what aspect of life is so complex that we need that kind of level of. Oh, I think there's so many places us. where there's, where there's now, I don't see, I don't see it as, mm, I don't, it's interesting. I don't go, it doesn't feel like generally it hasn't felt like authority to me. It's felt okay. like wisdom is being gotten, you know, people are doing analyses, people are doing a lot of digestion of material that I don't have time to do. People are sitting, thinking deeply about things that mm -hmm. I actually don't even have the capacity to potentially <clears throat> think about. So to me, it's, it's even like knowledge bases, like places sometimes people put all the information in one place. So you just have something somewhere. So I, I don't know, I, I find, I personally, I, again, I guess I am a person who does value institutions when they're healthy, you know, mm -hmm. when they are, um, you know, even like a, if it's a church or it's a, like something where there's people are coming together and doing a group effort that somehow they might be able to do it better than your average person could do it. Um, and it frees the people, everybody else up to have their life and do the things that they're interested in and they're good at. But this means you have to trust them or they have to be trustworthy. So you're talking about the center of knowledge transmission and authority as in authorship and as in having some connection to the source of the information. Well, and assuming that they actually do know something and they actually have something good to offer, right? Like I'm presuming a place where there's actually intelligent people who are wise and maybe they they have, I don't know, they trained in something where they actually know how to do things I don't know how to do and I'm not gonna go try to learn how to, or maybe I can't even, um, mm -hmm. like my brain's not gonna do that. So 
but I don't, it's funny. I don't, I, I, I don't, I think I don't go up to them like, oh, you authority, but I might go, oh, okay. Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. person's smart. I, I think I, you know, say with a friend, would you go to a friend, if you had two friends to decide about something, some topic you don't know much about and say one of them seems to know more and seems like, which one would you go to? Right. Mm -hmm. like, so if they spent 10 years looking into such and such and you knew they weren't motivated by some other, um, I don't know, weird reason to set you off track or someone's handing them some money under the table or something like that. So I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I we get it out of the realm of title and because I know this is hit, people are bumping into this. Like, so what if someone has a title or they're an expert or all that? But I, I feel like there actually could be people who actually are more expert than me in something that I probably, I'd probably want their input on something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and but it, again, this trust piece is what I think is the problem. And what you're describing there is the difference between like going to a, going to a friend or, or an elder or somebody that you know, and you, you have reason to trust and believe for advice or for resources versus trusting kind of some company. Down. Yeah. And then it seems like human nature gets involved there and we have we have all kinds of conflicts of interest that could make a like a large institution untrustworthy maybe it's not but but maybe it's just that we want to naively believe that it wouldn't be because maybe it always it ends up being somewhat motivated by things that are not directly for our benefit but rather for some other larger purpose which could be the the collective benefit i mean the sometimes the collective good is going to be very different from the good of the individual. And that doesn't mean that somebody has like, they're like this marionette strings, you know, it could just be, you know, it depends on what you're shooting for. If something's going to be good on, on an aggregate, is it necessarily going to be the best thing for that individual in their life? And, and so just understanding perspective might have something to do with trusting institutions. Well, it seems like checks and balances to built in and mech, you know, this is where like democracy comes in too. Like at what level should the people be deciding even what the checks and balances are and making sure they're done? Um, anyway, I've been talking a lot. No, that's interesting. I, what do you think, Jennifer? Yeah, I, I, I really understand um, from Deborah's perspective what she's saying. I would love to trust institutions. There are a whole slew of topics that I have absolutely no interest in. And I really would like somebody who is interested in it to tell me <laughs> what to do. And um, if I'm interested, I, then I love reading about something and I'll read in depth. But there's many topics where I'm not interested, but now I'm really skeptical of all institutions and what their motivations are. And that's kind of a sense of, um, it's a little bit of a loss of innocence for me and makes me feel more vulnerable because I feel like there's, I think I grew up thinking there are these people who are sort of looking out for us. And now I'm thinking <laughs> there's fewer of those than I thought. And I mean, if you just look at um, the, what, people have been told in this country about what we should eat. For example, we have really, really been misinformed about that. And the sugar industry had paid scientists back in the 60s to point the blame at fats, including healthy fats, 
for disease, particularly cardiovascular disease, um, and to not look at sugar. So in other words, it's dangerous to eat an avocado, but you can pig out on Tootsie Rolls because they have no, no fat. No fat. <laughs> you know, we've been given so much misinformation in the food pyramid where they said you should mainly eat grains, which we now know is not true. And um, so it's, you know, I'm, I'm a person who's an independent thinker, but I don't want to have to try to become an expert on everything. Some things are outside my capability. Like I, I would need a neurosurgeon, obviously, if I had brain cancer. Um, but yeah, I would really like institutions to be trustworthy and to not become corrupt. But I do think that all organizations, especially as they grow larger, their, their mission slides away from what their original intention was into maintaining the organization itself and the survival of the organization. And that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. David, what do you think? I think that's well said. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about sort of climate science and thinking, gosh, I wish I could trust what we hear about that. <laughs> um, and I want that to be as a collective idea, making sure what we're doing is still, isn't damaging damaging the, the world and, and making sure that we've got enough of a world for generations to come. That's surely something where we kind of go, right, we need to look beyond our own individual scope. But that's become corrupted as well. And, and I, I find there's so many... Um, contradictions or different opinions or the politics gets in the way or all sorts and then I just sort of think oh god I almost don't don't want to read up about it because it, I find it exhausting to be sort of optimistic or pessimistic and then find out that I'm wrong it's kind of just exhausting um but yeah it should, should be something that I think probably we all feel something for which is wanting to help the planet but at the same time um yeah feeling conned feeling duped by powerful people is more and more something we feel these days so yeah mm -hmm. it's trying to weigh those things up and yeah I find that difficult it's interesting what that ties into what Deborah was saying about how it feels like sort of a confluence of all these things cracking open at the same time where we're having this is it just a domino effect of realizing that you've been misled on one thing that's important that makes you start uncovering lots of stones and saying what else what else is suspect in our foundational uh, understanding of our culture? Yeah, do, do, do you sometimes wonder if, I mean, it's, to some degree, there is an, an amount of science getting it wrong and us get, and then science scientists and researchers being humble and going, we got it wrong. Turns out there's this whole thing over here. Like the fat thing could have, could have, could have been a case of, we got it wrong. It became a zeitgeisty thing to, to kind of like put more and more money into researching fat because we found a few things that kind of like tied together to suggest that maybe it was fat. But that would be an honest, a kind of humble approach to it that said, oh, we missed out a load of stuff on sugar that we weren't really looking at, which maybe there were investments made into fat and corporations and all this stuff and advertisement went into that that kind of made that made, made that the bus just take on a whole new speed in that direction but it's just like uh, it, that's not what's happening and like you say jen it was it was it was actually corporations paying off um research researchers so um that corruption happened and then god knows how much of an effect that's had um so i'm just thinking like there, there's got to be a humble 
the amount of amount, amount of like humble being a scientist and going, we don't know everything. We've got so many more stones to uh, to, to turn to turn over. But um, yeah, that's a very different thing. And there's so many interested parties these days in um, in pushing narratives that it's hard to know what that is. You know, it also seems like there's so many. I don't want to call them incentives. I just see, at least on Twitter, like science Twitter, right? Like less humility. It's like these scientists are all kind of punching at each other and then kind of ad hominating and like people, like they're lost the sort of scientific spirit of, uh, you know, research. And so you find something out and it's wrong. And so, okay, now you do a new experiment. It's, there's something about this cult of personality that even not all scientists, there's probably some quiet ones back somewhere doing their research, you know, and are willing to change course if they, your hypothesis doesn't work out. But I don't think the social media space is, is good for, um, are getting to truth in some, I mean, in some ways it is maybe some revealing something new, but I think it's, it's involving people's personalities in a certain way and their turf and then their politics, like, ugh, these are all not putting things in the direction we'd like to see them go. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of super chats. You guys want to read them? Mm. Let's see. Yes, a, a Asante says, how should, how open should one be to ideas, no matter what they are? maybe that's in response to my saying that my flat earth friend um that i i don't dismiss that out of hand i listen what do you guys think about how open one should be to ideas no matter what they are i like to listen and try to understand where someone's coming from because even if i don't draw the same conclusions as that person i might learn something and uh, you know, at worst case scenario, I'm at least understanding them better. Um, I think it's good to um, be able to have the mental capacity to entertain ideas, but not adopt them wholesale. Like just because you're thinking something and exploring something doesn't mean you have to say, oh, okay, sign me up. But sure, I'll, I'll listen to somebody kind of can get you to have to look at what are your priors too. Like, you know, would, like I know someone who so brilliant and so many things and she's very religious and happens to believe, what is it called? The young earth. I mean, it's like the world was created and how, you know, however many thousand, like 6,000 years, I don't know, something like that. And it was like, actually for me, it was just, it was like a Zen koan or a blow my mind open. Cause I was like, this is so interesting that this person who is, was using Bayesian, probability like all these things and then that went with it was, this is so interesting and it's like I mean I can go to a place of we don't know what the hell is really going on here right I, I can go to that we can go we're doing science and we think we do this and we throw the ball and it lands where we think and like we think we know how that works and we think we know evolution and I, I do have some place where it's like maybe we don't really even know at all, you know, like at all, and we can kind of manage, you know, so I, so I'll, I'll listen. It didn't, it didn't, you know, that didn't make me suddenly go, yeah, I think it's, you know, only 6,000 years. Like I didn't shift on that, but it, it maybe made me just remember that um, we could at some point like discover another way we're looking at all of these things than we happen to be now, even though I'm still probably going to operate on the frame I have, but I'm aware I have a frame. I've started to get quite cynical about, um, I think is it Jung who has that saying that uh, people don't have ideas, but ideas have people. Mm. And um, 
and just the idea that like the idea that, that, that I was even having conversations with friends this weekend um I uh, went to a friend's wedding and uh there were conversations that were had that were around sort of well around the trans uh trans debate I know we're going out slightly off conspiracies but uh, you know a couple of people have maybe agreed on the idea that the all of this um furore about pride and trans and 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 ideology was 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 all something started by right-wing people to pit people against each other so that they can I mean it, that in itself sounded like a conspiracy theory but because my left-wing friends had concluded that it's right-wing people that have set this up people they don't like set this up to make to cause infighting between different groups between vulnerable groups and between people who are scared for women's rights and all these sorts of things that somehow the person controlling it was someone that they all agreed they didn't like they all just kind of went yeah that's probably it <laughs> and i was just like oh wow <laughs> oh humanity <laughs> uh, it was just easily accepted yeah it was easily accepted and it's just and i guess it's about what deborah said about understanding your own priors to be honest yeah Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's a really interesting question, and I think it's really the way that the original uh, posted question is worded is is really open and vague. And so I can, if I try to insert different things into that equation, there's some ideas that I think I wouldn't be very open to, like ideas around hurting people. I, I, um, you know, child abuse, pedophilia. Um, I'm, I, I know I have some places where I wouldn't be open to some ideas. There would be some things that would be like, nope. And I also have some of my own really um, personal, I guess, uh, values. I'd say I tend to be pretty libertarian in a lot of ways, but then there's a few areas where I'm really, uh, I really have strong opinions. And one mm -hmm. of them is around um, the commodification of sex so like the porn industry and and um, and sex for sale and stuff. So I tend to have like my own, just as this is just me personally, my own areas where I know I have rigidity and and firm opinions and I'm not as open. But for ideas that I haven't done a lot of research on, I, I try to remain somewhat flexible, at least in, as Jennifer said, listening to another person and trying to understand their process and having respect for their own process in that and having enough openness to, and enough humility to know when something is not, um, what, I'm not an expert on it and I don't really know what the, the truth around a certain matter is. And I think so many areas of life, like these big, big picture sort of things, like you're talking about David, like did the right-wing people manufacture this? And, and it, like, how could we know? And so if somebody has an idea about that, or how, I'm sorry, how could we, how could I know? I guess I should say, how could I know? I don't know if that's the truth or not. Um, so does it hurt me to be open to that and say, well, tell me more about that. And then I don't necessarily, like Jennifer said, I don't have to adopt that idea to be respectful and open to the fact that somebody else believes it. So yeah, I think that's about for you. Oh, sorry, sometimes it just helps you confirm your own values even more. Like, <laughs> I watched something, I can't remember what it was, some kind of documentary about um, basically people who do, um, who create porn content 
for online audiences. And I watched this documentary and they were very much in favor of it and um, explaining why in their view, the industry was a good thing and must not be interfered. Oh, wow. <laughs> I do laugh when I think of it. I mean, but it really just, I, I listened to all of this. Um, I didn't expect to change my mind, but I listened to their points of view. Um, I certainly do see how it's convenient for people to be able to post that content from home. And I'm sympathetic to people who wish to work from home. <laughs> However, <laughs> um, very, I very strongly agree with you about the, you know, the harms of the commodification of sex. And um, it, we're also seeing as therapists a real rise in people becoming addicted to porn and all of the attendant problems that that causes. Mm -hmm. in their relationships, sometimes even getting into illegal activity and uh, criminal consequences. So, um, but it's just, it's interesting to listen to a defense of something that I think is a really harmful thing. Yeah, I, I think that is really a, an interesting thing because it helps you to understand the, the arguments against your own position. And, yeah. and you can either become more accommodating and flexible towards those arguments or you can find that it actually solidifies your own position, as you say. So yeah. uh, that's good that you were able to sit through that. I think I would struggle a bit with that one. And, and I'm just recognizing an area of rigidity in myself. I, I have a real, and so that that's also interesting because that kind of leads into, and there's one more super chat and it's about, um, maybe this would be a good segue, one more, um, because it's a, it's a little bit of a bigger question, but it segues into the gender issue, which I think is tied in. And maybe, maybe this is more of a linking and bigger picture conspiracy sort of way to, to discuss this. But I think that there's something between the gender issue that we're seeing with the gender confusion in kids, the commodification of sex and the, um, the destruction of, of sexual morality in our culture. And I, I, okay, so I could go bigger with that, but I'll just read this thing and then we can talk about it. Um, so uh, Fandar Zelig says, old friends, a gay couple and their they them child visited. When corrected on pronouns, I said, I want to honor not using he, but we'll try to simply use the kid's name. The, uh, my wife and the couple are upset with this advice. So looking for advice on, on how to handle that, I guess. My advice is don't violate your own conscience. If you feel like it is wrong, for whatever reason, if you feel like, well, I'm contributing towards the transition of a child, um, possibly heading helping to kind of guide them along a pathway to um, medicalization or surgical procedures. And that's your moral objection. I wouldn't cross that line. If you feel like it is just a complete um, shredding of reality to use a plural for one person, and it make you, makes you feel slightly crazy. I, I wouldn't do it for that reason either. I think that's enough because then you are speaking something that you believe to be a lie. And I think that that makes us shrivel inside and become smaller. And you can't restrict that. If you're shriveling in one area of your life, you will shrivel in other areas too. You'll shrivel in your creativity, in your relationships, um, 
maybe in your career, maybe physically, it, it's, it's very hard to compartmentalize dishonesty and, sh and shriveling from what you know to be the truth. So I would stick to your guns. And if people are pissed off about it, let them be pissed. You'll be pissed and resentful if you're doing something that you know to be wrong. I think that's great as well, Jen. Um, I was going to say, I just think that like, um, if you're, if you agree into pronouns, um, well, I guess if you understand why you don't want to affirm someone's pronouns that's one thing but kind of just going along with pronouns and um not necessarily knowing what you're what you're kind of sort of tacitly implicitly going along with are you going along with uh that child's innocent uh self-discovery or, or are you actually going along with something that is slightly more coercive is it something that they've they've read from school or they've been told from school they've been encouraged at school is it something that they're you know, very far left parents have decided to, to to sort of push upon them in some way. And it's it's not something you'll necessarily know, but by kind of going along with it, it might send, it might give you a sense of feeling uncomfortable. It's kind of like what Jen was saying. Don't do something that violates you. If you've got a sense in which you don't know what you'd be tacitly going along with by, by using those pronouns, then, then I wouldn't. And I guess the, 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 the advice then probably is about like how to, how to go about, having that conversation really that's a tough one but um yeah we need to trust our guts more i think <laughs> i heard um just very recently a child and adolescent psychologist say that social transition is very much a therapeutic intervention it is an intervention and so by abstaining from participating in that intervention i think that that i think it is a really I think it's an important decision to decide if you're going to participate or not in that. And that this person, the, the, the person who posted that, that question um, is trying to create a compromise solution where he's just going to use the child's name instead. That seems like the most respectful way to mm. remain polite, not, not participate in the intervention but also uh, maintain a neutral stance with regard to the intervention and for other people to be pushing for his wife and, and this couple to be upset that he's refusing to use this, these specific words, even though he's not using the words that they're asking him not to use. I think that that is the, the social error is on their part, not on his. Yeah. He's trying to remain polite and neutral they're crossing the line with trying to compel him to yeah. use words that he's not comfortable using. And so that I, I like what you said, Jennifer, there you're pissing them off this way, but you'd be pissing yourself off the other way. And, and, <laughs> and it's better to be in alignment with your own values on this. And if you feel strongly that you don't want to participate in that, I, I really think that that's um, something you should listen to. Deborah, do you want to weigh in? No, everybody said such amazingly great things. I, I, I can't add. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I hope that was helpful um, discussion for that, that question. There's another uh, couple more. Um, A. Asante, who asked us that first question about open-mindedness, says, do not be so open-minded that your brain falls out, G.K. Chesterton. So yeah, that's good. That's, that's great. <laughs> And then also, um, same same poster. Thank you, Asante. 
says, if sex work is wrong, then could sex outside of the context of monogamy, then could, I think this is just um, a typo here, but is, then sex outside of the context of monogamy is wrong because sex outside of monogamy can lead to broken homes, heartbreak and disease. That's phrased as a question. I don't know, I think that's a big topic. It's interesting. Um, I think that my thought on that is that that merits a longer exploration than, you know, maybe an entire, an entire live stream. We could talk about sexual morality and, and have that discussion and might find that we have a variety of different opinions on different aspects of it. But um, what do you guys think we should maybe take that up another time and really dig into it more deeply? Or do you have any thoughts immediately on the question? I think it's a, I think it's a topic for later. Um, and I will also say that I, um, I don't hold much hope for um, the future of relationships that are non-monogamous and all this, you know, um, what is it called? Ethical non-monogamy and all that. It's all yeah. <laughs> just horny people wanting to have it off and want to have their cake and eating it too. You can wrap it up in any philosophy you want. It's just, I want to fuck who I want to fuck. And I'm trying to do it without consequences and good luck. Good luck to you. <laughs> Is it, is it a, lot, a lot of the time these these ideas or frameworks sound good, don't they? But if, if, if it's one thing that they can never seem to do is to is to have an inbuilt sort of self-writing mechanism that means that narcissistic people who've not managed to recognize their own narcissistic um, temperament can't take advantage of it because no one ever put, builds that sort of like self-writing mechanism into these frameworks. And so therefore they just run amok, don't they? Mm. What do you think about that, Jennifer? I'm, I'd like to hear your response to what David said. I, I don't quite understand it. So I, oh, right. Okay. Raise <laughs> it briefly. No, I just mean like I just mean like a lot of what we see even in, in woke the, um, theology, if you like, uh, it doesn't have. It sounds good. It sounds compassionate, but it doesn't have enough. Um, uh, it's not solid enough to to kind of protect people against narcissistic people saying the right words do it you know uh, like, yeah. like polygamous people can can sort of say well I'm, I'm in love with this person i'm also in love with this person why do i have to just share my love in one direction i've got so much love to give and it sounds a lot of, a lot of the time like it's people who don't necessarily know that their own selfish desires are possibly motivated like you said jen horny people just want to fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah no thank you for explaining that more no i i absolutely i think that it's right it's really right for exploitation and i'm not just talking i'm not talking about young people who are just you know in the process of dating and they're you know playing the field this is this a life phase but you know can be an appropriate life phase i'm talking about like what you're saying like people who are like oh you know i'm you know, I'm married, but, but it's an open marriage. And here's the long list of intellectual reasons why this is going yeah. to work. It's um, very intellectual, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and there's all these justifications. And in fact, we're quite a bit higher morally than the rest of you, because the rest of you just have your petty jealousy. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's much higher to be controlled by one's genitalia, certainly. So, <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a dim view of that. Let's just say. Well, it's interesting because it seems like a very antinatalist kind of. I mean, it goes along with this really antinatalist uh, movement that we're having acro across the board. I mean, we've got the no matter where you fall on it, the way that they're doing abortion now is pretty extreme. The conversations are happening around abortion and like abortion all the way up till the time of birth is a thing that people are like happy to promote. What the heck is that? And, and the, you know, the, there's just this like casual sterilization of children. Like we're not supposed to have really this, it, you're, you're wrecking kids sexual function through a lot of these gender interventions and then the the rise in polyamory ethical, ethical non-monogamy kind of stuff which is all about making sex into something that's purely recreational the promotion of porn it's becoming so like you you talk about porn and and, and what you get back is like this idea that it's inevitable and that it's a must and that it's totally fine and how dare you even say that it's not okay for people to be like having their favorite porn, you know, that they talk about, like, like, it's just, it's all so different. It's so, it seems like it's risen all together. And it's part of this. We're, what is sex becoming? And who, who benefits from this? And what is our social net benefit from that happening? And it seems like, well, since we have our hats on, <laughs> From a population control standpoint, it's brilliant. Get people to stop having babies and think about sex differently. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to bring it back to the, to the hats. <laughs> the tinfoil hat thing too much? I was just thinking I, had, I haven't done enough uh, linking things back. I said that I'd embrace tinfoil hat framing and I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I've not done enough. Where are all the lizard people now? Yeah. Um, what do the lizard people think about population control, David? Yeah, well, they're lizards, so they're not a big fan of the old homo sapiens. Um, mm. We spent too long thinking we're top of the world when we're not and i think the lizard people are going to start letting their masks fall off because you know they want to be found out because they're jealous of not not having the spotlight yeah okay that'll do is that the royal family because i've heard the david Icke thing oh, that's a good one that is what he talks about he thinks that the royal family are basically lizard people and then, yeah there's like there's like there's like isn't there like photographs of some of the some of the royal family in sort of like strange, you know, you take a picture of someone mid drink or something and the still makes it look, they look a little bit reptilian. And then they, and you read, I mean, David Icke will probably write or someone, one of his followers would write a whole web page on, on how this is, you know, the lizard man finally sort of taking his mask off. I don't know. I don't know too much about it, but it's something like that. Are the royals lizards, Jennifer? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but um, Harry and <laughs> Harry and Meghan, <laughs> they might be. <laughs> There's something. What do you think, Deborah? 
Uh, <laughs> and it's making me think more about the, well, that was the other, you know, it's funny, you've got the lizard. Well, I don't know how the lizards relate to Illuminati. I mean, that was always the one that was really interesting of like this ongoing elite. And, and then I don't even know if the, there's a, the, the Masons and the free, there's a while I was trying to understand these esoteric lines and back to Christ and Mary, like all this stuff. <laughs> It is so interesting about people. I'm, I'm thinking about this right now. And, and again, that desire for, I mean, our appeal to myth or, or origin story or um, that, like that's the part of the desire to put these pieces together aside from just wanting to make sense of things. Like there's, a, there's like a beautiful aspect of human beings that, that, that loves the myth or loves the legend or loves something like that. And yeah. um would spend time trying to seek that out. And especially if there are mystical like elements or some sort of people had gotten powers or something like that. It's like, or people were cultivating evil powers. Like that's just very captivating. Mm. Um, I'm having a bit of like kind of compassion for the desire for, um, especially if we're going back and like doing way historical conspiracy mm. theories or whatever, um, that there's like kind of a longing to maybe have those things be true mm -hmm. to make things make sense in a narrative arc um that was the sense and then there's the what's it i don't know what you would call it i'm just thinking of uh not jordan peterson time, but there's like there's an emotional there's just like an emotional um it's not even like i know and i understand but i feel connected or it feels magical or it feels um, just imagine like, you know, whether it's Harry Potter, or Lord of the Rings or mm. old myths or something like that. And I don't know, for me, it kind of well, something wells up inside that's, uh, I can imagine people with swords and, um, mm. things like, like, like that's kind of uplifting in a certain sense, mm. or, or if you even the stories where there's like some evil, you know, creatures and they put everybody in a cauldron, like, I don't know what, like something just really is, is, is like soul captivating or something mm -hmm. yeah. about that. I was I was also thinking as you were talking, Deborah, like there were these AI generated images of of kind of like I don't know, like a getting an AI to generate an image of a nineteen year old sort of like birthday party at a club or something, and they were all non they weren't humans, but they were AI generated. So and 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 there was a I think there was it was like a post on Reddit, and they were like, can you see can you see this picture? What do people think when they see this? And there was a feeling, and I think it was all shared by the commenters that they were looking at these images something didn't quite feel right about them they looked a bit kind of uncanny valley sort of mm. weird and then under the comments someone revealed that's because this person here has more fingers than they should do and they've got a hat and it's and then this person here has more teeth than is humanly possible and then you're kind of like oh i knew i had a gut feel as to that that they didn't quite feel right there's something really disjointed maybe even a little bit alien about them and um i don't know i was just thinking as you were talking deborah about maybe our obsession with celebrity or maybe even the fact that like um, maybe we're not designed to look at kind of really famous people constantly putting on a show for, you know, being scrutinized with a camera lens 24 seven. And so when we look at them, we start to get a detachment from them and we think they're not really real people anymore and we get to, we can treat them differently or, or maybe it's even a, I don't know, like a self-defense mechanism to, to mean that we can treat them differently by, by making them inhuman. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking out loud. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, and yeah, it, it does seem like there's there's some kind of 
weird objectification that necessarily goes on when you are observing people that closely when you're I I remember the well I guess it would have been like the 90s and the 2000s like right before the reality tv thing really became so popular and it seems like it's just continued but when I was I was a kid I was a teenager in the the 90s and um I it was all the thing to like look at people magazine and the supermodels became really popular and people were reading about the stars lives behind the scenes and stuff that was just such a thing and there was something really gross about it to me something really mm. really disturbing about it and I can remember when reality tv just first first kind of started was when I got rid of my tv and I didn't I just didn't want to have a television in the house it just made me feel so gross this obsession with celebrity and turning turning average people into celebrities that you'd want to you know just understand why are you sitting down looking at a screen watching somebody else's life that mm. could be just like your own life you could go live that you could go do that yourself but it's more fun to just sit and consume it as if it were a product i don't know that but that's getting off base from what deb was talking about which is like that mystical that like ethereal draw to something something mm, i don't know magical like you yeah. said and I, you know, I think about like, I've thought, I've had this thought, our world that we live in is absolutely a world of magic and wonder. Absolutely. If we just didn't, if we, if we open our eyes today with no, no um, prior perspective, it's just that we're used to it. That's the only reason it doesn't seem magical to us. I mean, we've got like, trees are so cool right like they're, they're so they're <laughs> these things that that start at the ground and they go who and then they have this green and it's that's really cool and people talk on the the people put a little tiny thing in their ear and hear a voice from across the entire world like that's really magical and people zoom around in you know metal boxes that they get into and they they can go from one place to another place really quickly it's so cool if we just had if we didn't have the the being doled to it by by how common it is to us it would seem magical to us so i don't know if that thirst for magic is just a just a sense of how desensitized we've become to wonder in our own lives i don't know did i go completely off base there or did that make sense to anybody yeah. else let me, let me go ahead at a completely That's different right. thought wondering if that in any way ties into that that loss of wonder and the appreciation of the sort of bliss of the ordinary if um if that ties into consumption of some of these ideologies you know because they're also extreme and it's almost like are we trying to stimulate ourselves with ideology are we trying to be um you know get some kind of rush from you know from um from online porn are we even getting a rush from um you know labeling people white supremacists and assuming these terrible things about the united states and maybe that's really exciting because then you get to be on the forefront of this basically sort of like a a fraudulent civil rights struggle and maybe the trans thing i mean 
what's more extreme than saying, oh, I'm going to switch. I'm just going to switch sexes, which to, to be 100% clear, I do not believe to be possible, but just the idea of that and pursuing that it's like almost like this, you know, sort of godlike level of control. Yeah. It's like everything, all stimulation on, uh, you know, is on like high def. Yeah. It's like, instead of eating, um, I don't know, an apple, you got to eat a Snickers or something. And then pornography is the version of sexuality. That's that kind of junk food, junk food for yeah. the, the, the sexuality. And then you're talking about these ideologies having a sort of mental uh, impact that's similar to that. Like all the extremes of everything. It's like, we're, we're, we're needing more and more. We're trying to to blast ourselves with sensation in this, in a way. You know, another sort of piece, I mean, so much stimulation and some of it I find kind of endearing actually is um, this rise of, of even collective trying to figure things out. I think this started with, you know, we said anything about TV shows. I'm thinking like, say when Lost came on and everyone was trying to figure out like what's going on. And then there's these message boards and what do we think's happening? And it started to be, and maybe people were always way back in the Usenet days, conspiracy theorists, people were having little boards and talking to each other, but it seems like there's this community building, this we're kind of maybe in on it and puzzle solving. I'm thinking with Q and on, even though I didn't really follow them that much, but the, I think that's, it's a little entertaining, but people also feel like they're like on a, on a mission to solve the thing and so there's something I, I like the part of it that's people together being excited to solve something you know or, or, or to to puzzle through and maybe we got the next piece and that and the collective piece of it that we're able to do because of the internet so I think that's a like another facet of hmm. how this you know conspiracy theory thing sort of manifests like it's speaking to some part of us that wants to have a united mission yeah, be on a little team and like we're like did you think of this and I found this little did you see the easter egg and the episode where you know and so on whatever your conspiracy thing is well I saw this photo that had a, this little thing in the corner I think that means you know what I mean I th and I think people like I almost want to like can we give people puzzles to solve that you know are potentially ones that we could do something about, or, you know what I mean? Like, like we have contests where they're like, you're actually solving a thing that we might, I don't know, oh, a climate change fun. thing or something. Oh. Right. But I mean, I guess there's these team shows that, that are, but it's, I feel like it's part of entertainment, but it's part like humans liking to get together to solve stuff. I think that's really, I like how you described it as endearing because I think that it's so easy to, to start criticizing aspects of human nature, but it's, it's nice to, like one of my, my ones that I had sort of a realization about was the, the way that, especially during COVID, a lot of people were referring to each other as sheep. You know, this was a really common thing. Do you remember this? So uh, people who were uh, critical of COVID policy, it was very common to refer to everybody else as a bunch of sheep who were blindly following COVID policy. And I, I guess I, I've probably said this before, but I, I tend to think that the, the impulse to follow the herd is actually a positive impulse. It's not that impulse that is necessarily to be criticized. Although there is a, there's room for uh, obviously 
some criticism of it, but to mock it to that extent, the impulse comes from a positive place and it's being exploited by people who are, you know, taking advantage of, of people's positive nature that want to follow one another and want to believe in one another. Like, like you and, and Deborah were saying, Jennifer, in the, earlier about wanting to believe institutions. Like that comes from, from a place of, of having, giving the benefit of the doubt and believing and wanting to believe in your fellow man. And yeah. so, yeah, to mock that, I think it's something, you know, again, there's room for nuance there, but it's not just yeah. ridiculous. Well, we're so we want to, we want to get along. We want to be able to, we need to be able to trust each other at a certain level or else everything stops functioning. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's normal to want belonging and community and connection. Mm -hmm. As S, S Kobol seven says still sheep, sorry, <laughs> which is fine. Because <laughs> I see the point in that I, I get that. But yeah, that's thank you for the like direct. Yeah. Um, but I think that maybe the maybe the problem isn't the following people. Maybe the problem is following psychopathic institutions. And that kind of gets back to like, do you, do you guys remember? And, and I know we need to wrap up, but do you remember the, the documentary from like maybe the nineties called the corporation? Y'all remember that? Oh, it's a, it was a good one. And it talked about how corporations are basically similar to psychopaths because they don't have, they aren't able to have um, any care for individual well-being. They have to take care of themselves, and so there's something about the 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 structure of that organization that just uh, it it's I think was it you Jennifer that said that after a while an organization or or a group loses sight of its original mission and becomes about self maintenance, and so at that point when it becomes about self maintenance, it's no longer dedicated to whatever it said it was doing in the first place. Maybe that's health, or maybe that's pharmaceuticals, maybe that's childcare, whatever it is. And if we're still following along with that, we're, we, then we maybe we are the sheep, so to speak, that think we're following a, the, the herd, but we're actually being led astray. Yeah. I don't know, pretty interesting, but mm -hmm. any, as we, as we wrap up, um, this has been very fun. I've enjoyed your hats and your thoughts and uh, anyone who's listening in <laughs> Deborah are you picking up any signal there the, and, and Jennifer from your like listening device yeah man I'm hearing all kinds of crap <laughs> <laughs> David don't you have another part of your hat where's the other part no I thought you, you had a topper <laughs> oh I did actually yeah sorry you're absolutely right I did have <laughs> There you there go. go. Oh God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, that's now now it starts looking World War One like Bismarck or something. <laughs> like <laughs> it looks like an acorn now, doesn't it? <laughs> looks like a, a conspiracy acorn. <laughs> Paranoia acorn. Well, any final thoughts that any of y'all have that we, we should have talked about and missed or want to put a fine point on anything? No, let's do a live stream though, talk and uh, talking about um, monogamy and non-monogamy. That topic seems to keep popping up. Mm. Yeah. 
I think yeah, that's a great that. idea. Okay, good. Well, we'll we'll plan on that. And thank you Thanks, everybody guys. who participated in the chat. It was great to have you all here. Thanks everyone. Thank we'll you. We'll see you Thanks, next everyone. week.